0: Hey, friends, welcome back to the Pulpit to Pew podcast. In this week's adult Bible study, as we continue in the book of Exodus, we've come to Exodus chapter 18 in our study, and we're going to kind of pivot. I'll say it at the beginning, but we'll kind of pivot from complaining and Israel coming out. We're going to see a characteristic about Moses today that I think made him a good leader. So, without further ado, Let's get started in this week's Bible study. Let's go to Exodus chapter 18 today. Exodus chapter 18. I want to uh, we, as I said to the class a little bit ear- earlier, this is a it's kind of a pivot. It's different. We've talked two weeks about um, complaining and the Israelites saying, "Why didn't you just leave us in Egypt? We're out of water. We're at the Red Sea, or whatever it would be." But today we kind of see an interaction between Moses and his father-in-law. And uh, so we're going to make some just some quick observations from that as we read down through chapter 18. And then get you over there to get your seat for the community Christmas. So let's look starting in chapter 18, verse 1. It says, When Jethro, the priest of Midian, Moses' father-in-law, heard of all that God had done for Moses and for Israel his people, and that the Lord had brought Israel out of Egypt, then... Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, took Zipporah, Moses' wife, after he had sent her back, and her two sons, of which the name of the one was Gershom. And he said, I have been an alien in a strange land. and The name of the other was Eliezer, for the God of my father said he was mine help and delivered me from the sword of Pharaoh. And Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, came with his sons and his wife to Moses into the wilderness where he encamped at the mount of God." And he said unto Moses, "I, thy father-in-law Jethro, am coming to thee, and thy wife and thy two sons with thee." So six verses to tell us all about this. They just came to meet. It was like, and Jethro could have. I mean, Jethro brought Moses' wife and the kids, and they came over to hang out. But, but Jethro, they're building something here, and Jethro is is a Gentile. He's a Gentile priest, and there was even some discussion as we were back there just a minute ago. Is you're going to see what's, what Jethro is going to say in just a minute. He's going, two things. One thing he's going to say is really good. Another thing is going to be good, but it's going to sound a little weird. But um, he's been taking care of Zipporah, his daughter, Moses' wife, and the two kids. There's some, just trying to study this, people like to debate the smallest of things. And they're like, all right, when did Moses' wife go back over there? Was it during the Exodus? Or was she never really to see the Exodus, never saw the plagues? And I thought, I don't care. I don't even know why I mentioned it to you right now, but people love to argue that in these commentaries. Whether she was there to see all of this in the kids or not, she's been back over there during this time. But Jethro is reuniting them. But then in verse 7, and Moses went out to meet his father-in-law and did obeisance. He showed respect and kissed him. I won't do that to my father-in-law, but that was the custom in that day. All right, So no kissing going on there, but kissed him and asked each other of their welfare, and, and came to the tent. And Moses told his father all that the Lord had done to Pharaoh and to the Egyptians for Israel's sake, and all the travail that had come upon them by the way, and how the Lord delivered them. And Jethro rejoiced for all the goodness which the Lord had done to Israel, whom he had delivered out of the hand of the Egyptians. And Jethro said, and Here's where it starts to get kind of interesting, though I don't want to dwell on this. Blessed be the Lord, that's Jehovah, who hath delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of Pharaoh who have delivered the people from under the hand of the Egyptians. Now I know that the Lord Jehovah is greater than all gods. For in the thing wherein thou dealt proudly, he was above them. So it's interesting little phrase he makes there. I mean, now, I mean, you did spend 40 years with Moses. Moses told you, you know, he had the burning bush. And so, Some were wondering, and, and, and we're not going to spend too much time in this, but he being a Gentile, he was probably brought up somewhat different, met Moses, learned about the God of Jehovah. But was it now that he became a believer, or now maybe he was kind of holding on to some other of his gods, and maybe a little bit of doubt, and now that he saw the hand of God, he's a believer... I don't know, and we could speculate on that a little bit. I don't know the healthy, how, how healthy that is for us and what draw, we can draw from that, because he's going to say something good in a minute. But I would say, I wanted to point it out because of what he's going to say in just a second. But either way, here's what happens. They decided to have a little praise service. And so in verse number 12, And Jethro and Moses' father-in-law took a burnt offering and sacrifices for God. And Aaron came, and all the elders of Israel to eat bread with Moses' father-in-law, before God, so they just had to have a little bit of a worship service. Now The only reason I point this out is because it is important to remember that we need to praise God. It's always good to pray, but we need to also spend some time praising God. And there is nothing wrong with praising God with others. And here we have a father in law with his with his, a father with his son in law, and they're praising God. They grab some elders from the Church of Israel, and they get together and they start praising God. And it is a healthy habit to praise God we we come and, and <clears throat> I don't want to say it almost sounds like you're criticizing prayer when you say what I'm about to say but we get good at praying to God because we need a lot and we tend to have selfishness at our core but the only reason I hesitate to say that cuz God tells us to pray so he tells us to come there's nothing wrong with that but on the flip side of that coin is we need to also remember when God does come through and even when he doesn't even when he's delaying but we need to have that heart of praise So I like in the midst of all of this that Moses is kind of able to get away from the two million people with some family and just spend some time praising God. And over the next month, you're going to be spending some time with family. And I hope that you get a chance when you're with family to praise God a little bit. Don't be hesitant to talk about God. You know, Maybe some of you have some different family dynamics than maybe we are going to have. But spend some time just thanking God. Because the reason we celebrate this time of year, and I don't need to tell you guys this, you're here at Sunday school at 10 o'clock, I know. But all of this, caught up in everything that's going on, is Christ. And that's who we worship and that's who we praise because he is the Lord Jehovah. He has taken care of us. And so Moses just has a moment here where he could just sit down with family and praise God. But then he's going to get back to his day-to-day life. And when we get back to his day-to-day life and we get to kind of look and see from a, a, just a little bit of what it's like for him, it gets pretty busy. Now look at what it says, starting in verse 13. It came to pass on the morrow. So the next day, he gets his praise service with some uh, family and friends, says on the morrow that Moses sat to judge the people, and the people stood by Moses from the morning until the evening. When Moses finally saw all that he did to the people, he said, what is this thing that thou doest to the people? why sittest thou thyself alone and all the people stand by thee from morning to evening Moses said to his father-in-law because the people come to me to inquire of God when they have a matter so there's something that's happened between one family and another or one person another they don't know how to resolve it there's no system no court I mean this is the early stages of this nation they don't have any sense of government so the only thing they know to do is to go to their leader the one that they obviously have seen god's hand on and they say we need you to inquire on this for us and so he says i in verse 16 or verse 15 they come to me to inquire of god when they have a matter they come to me and i judge between the one and another and i do make them know the statutes of god and his laws Let me stop there for a second. Just imagine that. So from all day long, I'm going to move this. All day long, he just sits here from morning to evening, and they come. Here comes one family, the Cox family. Here comes another family over here, the Hoseapples. They got a problem, all right? Chris has been picking on Jim. Got a problem here. He's coming across his property grounds. Or they don't have property back then, but let's just go with it. All right, just go with it. I always have to catch myself for those that are like, actually, and they push at their glasses. They didn't have property back then. I'm like, okay, I was just on the cuff here, all right? But they come over. There's a fight. I got to say, here's, you know, I got to choir of God. Here's the determination. But there's 2 million people. I looked it up before I came in here. In Indianapolis right now, there's 886,000 people. So double that. Now, my brother, who's one of those guys, when I said that to them earlier, he goes, well, you know, some of those are kids, and they don't have to dis- okay, thank you. <laughs> so, so 886 is a lot better. 886,000, actually, he just sit there all day. It's easy, Moses, all right? I'm picking on my brother. But even if you take out maybe, maybe a kid or two, and you got some issues, even if, even if you had 750,000 people, that's a lot of people. You get that much people, there's going to be problems. And so he's sitting there from morning to day because he doesn't know what to do. He doesn't have an answer. Everybody's coming to him as the leader. And so he's just trying to do the best that he can with the information that he has. We sit there from morning to noon. And then his Gentile father-in-law, and I'm not saying that in a negative way. I'm saying, but his Gentile father-in-law who maybe, arguably just kind of solidified his belief in Jehovah, maybe, because he says, now I believe that father-in-law comes and says, hey, Moses, now I'm going to add this part, Moses who led the Exodus, Moses who parted the Red Sea, Moses who saw burning fiery bush, Moses who knows the Lord Jehovah, you're the closest person to Jehovah right now. Hey, Moses, I don't think you're doing this right. Now, how would you take that? Now, some, I mean, I, I think Moses, and especially after Moses has been sitting there for a long day dealing with all kinds of drama, We just have to do like an eight to five or something like that, dealing with drama, and we can clock out. We're like, huh, he's dealing with the drama all the time, all the time, and his constant problems being brought to him, and all of this is going on. And then Jethro says, man, you know, this thing you're doing is not very good. I don't think he was saying it in a critical way, so don't let me try to lead you that way. I do think he meant it from the sincereness of his heart. But what I love about Moses and the main quality I really want to see today is is this lesson today about leadership. But one of the best things about Moses I see here is his humility. His humility. He didn't get to the point where he said, Hey, you don't understand. I'm the one carrying this rod. This rod part of the Red Sea. This part, this one, I just touched the water and it was He didn't get that way. He listened. Look at what happens. It says, this is a huge fly on my Bible. All right. <laughs> It says in verse number uh, 17, And Moses' father-in-law said unto him, The thing that thou doest, it's not good. Thou wilt surely wear away. I love that phrase. He was concerned for his son-in-law. He's saying you can't continue to minister this way without just killing yourself. Have we not been there? I mean and sometimes this happens and as as a people and i'm not a pastor of this church So it's good to have this conversation with church people When well unless he listens to the podcast our pastors don't know But a lot of churches do this they they allow they put their staff to a position We don't hear but they put their staff to a position where they got to do everything And they wear away like you you can't lead an organization you can't you you have to have staff my wife leads an organization in Greencastle. her her part of it if she had to do that by herself we both would go crazy i mean it would be cra- and we already are both going crazy and she's got a lot of people to help her i mean there you can't as a leader you will wear yourself away if you don't learn to delegate but right now he's not delegating he doesn't know he has not been led in this way and so he says you're going to wear away both thou and this people that is with thee for this is too heavy for thee the same heavy that he used in a chapter or so ago when he was lifting up his arms in prayer and it says is this and he says his arms got too heavy and then Aaron and Hur came alongside and lifted him up the same word now so in that sense was the lifting up of his arms to, for his people but in this case it's the listening to try to help his people to keep a unity among his people he said it's just too heavy you're going to wear away He says, if thou art not able to perform it thyself alone, he says, hearken now unto my voice. I will give thee counsel, and God shall be with thee. Be be thou for the people to Godward, that thou mayest bring the causes unto God. And thou shalt teach them ordinances. So he says, here's his plan. You're going to teach them the ordinances of the law. So you don't have to just sit there the whole time. You start, there's a process, but you're going to teach them the ordinances of the law, And shalt show them the way wherein they must walk and the work that they must do. Moreover, thou shalt provide out of the people able men, such as fear God, men of truth, hating covetousness, and a place such over them to be rulers of thousands and rulers of hundreds and rulers of fifties and rulers of tens. And let them judge the people at the seasons. And it shall be that every great matter they shall bring unto thee, but every small matter they shall judge so that it shall be easier for thyself, and they shall bear the burden with thee. All right, so here's his strategy. It's a good one. I've heard a whole lesson in a leadership training once on this whole chapter. But but what Jethro was suggesting to Moses was, hey, Moses, you start with the foundation of teach the people the law and the statutes. It shouldn't just be that one person holds all of this truth and knowledge. There was a denomination at one point that really believed, and you'll know by what I say in a minute, that the congregation shouldn't know the bible only the priest now this i've been told has switched a little bit but they would say at one point you don't need the bible we'll tell you what the bible means i always want to take the exact opposite approach it's good to hear teaching and preaching the bible tells us that but go home and study the bible for yourself learn the bible because our pastor is not going to come to your house on a Tuesday morning when you're trying to coach your kid or when you're in a conflict with your spouse and say, "Hey, actually, okay, here's what the Bible says in this on a Tuesday morning. It's not going to happen. But you can sit down with the Word of God or the Spirit of God in your heart could bring some truths to mind that you've been reading in your devotions and say, here's how we handle it. It's called individual soul liberty. We need to spend time with God every day. And so any, any type of... Um, any type of church or organization or spiritual organization that's going to say, hey, you know what, you have to come to me and I will teach you what the Bible says, there's a problem right there. And hey, Even in some, some Baptist churches in the past, 70s, 80s, real strong, was kind of the mindset that the pastor was like, hey, you don't buy a house unless you talk to your pastor first. You don't do this until you talk to your There's wisdom in talking to godly counsel, but you have to make a decision for your family, and you're responsible to God. We don't have a pope over us in a sense. And so we have to be careful. If someone says, I have the the edge on the Bible, nobody else does. No, no, no. God in our country has given us the word of God to take and to learn. So Moses, he said to Moses, I think first you start with that foundation of teach everybody the Bible. Let them know the, I shouldn't say the Bible because there's, again, that person's going to come up and say, they didn't have the Bible, Brad. Okay, teach them the statutes that God has laid out so far, okay? teach them those statutes. But then he said you need to divide. You need to divide this up. You got one that's you know, someone that's over thousands, someone that's over hundreds, someone that's over tens. And then if there's the, something there's a problem, they they kind of come and talk to the person that's over tens. If they can't resolve it, they go to the next person. And eventually, big things kind of like our Supreme Court set up. I mean, if you can't make some decisions on the lower level, it works its way up to Moses, and Moses inquires of God but he was trying to get him to delegate so that he wouldn't wear out. There's a great lesson here on delegation. This is not a leadership class necessarily, but in our lives, we've got to learn, even as leaders, we've got to be able to delegate. If we don't delegate and we take it all upon ourselves, you will eventually wear out. And part of that is, uh, there's several reasons why. Sometimes we just don't have the help, but other times it's kind of, we can get prideful. And we're like, well, no one can do it as good as I can. Well, then maybe you need to teach them. And there's a rule of principle in leadership. like, If they can do it 80% as good as you, then just have them do it. And, and let them do it because it's going to free you up to do some other things. And so you, it, it, you don't have to micromanage. You don't have to sit there over them. I'm getting off. I'm going to go down to the books I've been reading. But you don't have to do all of that stuff. But you do need to learn to be able to delegate or else you're going to wear yourself out. And so that was the basic advice that Jethro gave to Moses. Now Moses, how are you going to respond? though? Because he's a Gentile guy, That's that, you know, he's your father-in-law, all of these things are coming. And Moses responds by hearkening and implementing it to the people immediately. It's a spirit of humility. You think about it. A couple chapters ago, people are whining and complaining to him, and he's getting frustrated with these people, and he goes to God in frustration. But now he's got someone close to him that comes to him, and he was willing to listen. The lesson here, I think, for us is this. We've got to be willing to listen. Some people are going to come to you and say some things that may be painful in the moment, but you know they love you. Now, not all vice do we take. We were talking about this back there a little bit in... I think the key is, and this just always sounds like a cop-out, and I say that every time I say it, but you have to walk in the Spirit. You just have to have a relationship with God. And when you have that relationship with God, God will send people your way that give you some counsel and some advice, and it may be rebuke and it may hurt, but you know it in that moment. You're like, this is from God. And then there's going to be some crazy advice you get, some absolute crazy advice you get, and you smile and you say thank you, and you move on and you don't ever do it. Why? Because, you know, it may not, that's not biblical. I was walking in like this, I have some time. I told you I'd get you to your seat, alright? I was talking to, uh, I was talking to someone, I can't get into details, but in my office, and they were talking about some spiritual, it always turns spiritual, because I always say, what do you do? And I always make a joke, like, I don't know anything about banking. <laughs> I said, I got my master's in Bible, I don't know anything about banking, but I'll try to figure it out, you know, and I just try to lighten it up a little bit. That always leads to a conversation about Bible and in church and one guy got into that. Well then I left and I went to someone uh someone's office and I was uh I was getting ready to take the mail and I was talking to him and that person was telling me a story. And they said that they went into this general store, the general store in Cloverdale, and they came up behind and they went to get a drink and there was a guy pivoting back and forth, pivoting back and forth, trying to decide what drink to get, and he was just standing there. So he this guy's just standing there waiting and like man, get out of the way! And the guy's pivoting back and forth, couldn't decide between like a Coke Z- Zoke Zero and a Pepsi Zero. I mean, he was just going back and forth. Finally, he turns around to the guy I was talking to. I'll leave him nameless, and he said, "He said, hey, we got to be ready. There's a storm coming." And the guy I was talking to was like, "Well, I, I didn't see the weather. But I didn't know there was a storm coming. I'm sorry. Okay, I'll be prepared." He's like, "No, no, no, not that. Not that kind of storm. Spiritual storms coming." And and he's like, "Oh, okay." And he's like. Well, are you talking like a flood, or what are you talking about? And because the, the guy started using them, kind of mixing his metaphors and saying, the water's going to get up to your neck. And the guy I was talking to was like, Well, I mean, I, I mean, I don't know. There's, there's a promise. He knew a little bit of Bible. He's like, There's a promise of no flood, I think, again, or something about them rainbows. And, and the guy's like, well, No, that's not that. I'm just using it metaphorically. And the guy, and he kept going back to the water. And finally, the guy that I was talking to said, Well, at least I got Jesus on my boat. And he said, That kind of threw the guy off. But then as I'm sitting in there talking to this conversation, the guy says something to me. I am I don't know why I'm telling you the story, but he says to me, he says, well, he said, I understand you got Jesus on your boat, but then you better do some good works. Because if you don't do those good works, it doesn't matter because you got to be able to, you know, you know, Jesus did some of it, but we got to do the rest. And now I hear this and I'm like, oh, no, you know, this isn't true. And it, I'm like, I got now. Do I deal with this right now? Do I get fired at work if I deal with this? And I didn't. I actually had to be the post office by 4:30, and it was 4:20 at this point And I just hear this. I'm like, God, why did you send this to me at 4:20 when I need? I know I got to straighten this out, but I didn't. But I walked off. But I said all that foolish story to say. Sometimes you hear things and you're like, oh, that's not right. But if you know, if you're just staying in the Word of God, I could have him to 15 verses in the next five minutes, maybe. But it didn't, i didn't feel like that's what i should have been doing in that moment but you need to have the foundation of the word of god and so it, you're going to hear some counseling you're going to be like i need that man i need that you're going to hear some other things you just got to let it roll off just let it roll off we don't have to be that person every time no but you got to stay sensitive to the lord because sometimes the lord's saying hey talk about this deal with this But to get back to my point, I got sidetracked with that story because I was thinking about him pivoting and him talking about Jesus on his boat. But we have to have the spirit of humility. The spirit of humility is everything. Moses had it. I I just keep thinking if in this story, as I've studied this week, if I was Moses, it'd be so tempting to say, hey, I'm sitting here doing the Lord's work. I'm the one that went back and had to deal with Pharaoh. I'm I'm the one that had to listen to these guys complain the whole time. And now you, as a Gentile, are going to try to tell me what to do? But he didn't have that spirit. But I know sometimes Brad has that spirit. And I wonder sometimes if you, if you maybe in this class, if I'm not the only one that sometimes when someone comes to us said, "Hey, what about like, hey, don't talk to me like that," and immediately its attitude, immediate. Sometimes it may just be a friend or a spouse or a loved one that's saying, "I want to try to help you." understanding that if I'm going to talk about something that may be in your eye, I've got to keep an eye out as Judges 7 says, there may be a speck- something in my eye as well. With the spirit of humility, we rebuke, and with the spirit of humility, we receive rebuke. And when that's done, walking in the Spirit, it's a beautiful thing. And so look what happens because of this. In verse 22, it says, it, it, what would, the result of this would be, and he says, and let them judge between all the seasons... And it shall be. So here's what the result would look like. That every matter they shall bring thee, but let every small matter they shall judge, so it shall be easier for thyself. Number one, it's going to be easier for you. You're not going to be sitting there morning to evening. It's going to be easier for you. Number two, they shall bear the burden with thee. This is an important one. So you're, these people that you're setting over thousands and these people you're putting in leadership position. They're going to begin to bear some of that burden. But you know what happens when you bear some of the burden? You, you, you take not only some of the responsibility, but you take some interest in it. Like all of a sudden you're now like, no, this. you hear some people say, oh, this is a ministry of mine. Well, we know it's the Lord's ministry, but they've taken some ownership of it because they love what they're doing because they've invested some time into it some prayer into it and so it's something that's theirs leah works with the kids on sunday nights choir that's hers and hers alone it's not mine but those two kids have been, but she's invested in those children and i believe she may not see it in her time but there's some fruit about her name came up in my car today No, i don't know if she knows this but jeremiah sixth grade he's wanting to kind of get out of the children's choir a little bit but he said well leah knows she didn't say to him officially i found the details out he goes. Leah wanted my help with some, with some Christmas songs. So I'm thinking I may have to help with some. And I said, "Oh, she told you that?" Because I'm like, he hasn't been here in the last three weeks. Well, no, she said it to Ty and Ian, and then they came through to me. And so, but what was he, he was feeling like he was needed, and even though she didn't say anything about him, and probably he's more of a headache than anything back there, but a ministry to a little sixth grade heart who needs to learn to sing and not be ashamed. And it's ministering to him. But but she's ministering to these people. But what happens is when you bear that burden, and working with kids is bearing a burden sometimes when they're not yours. And you can't. But you, when you start to bear the burden, you take some ownership and you have a ministry. And that's what he's saying. Hey, you're doing all this by yourself, Moses, but you're not doing anybody else a favor. Allow them to minister and serve God. And so they'll bear the burden. And the third thing that comes in verse 23, if thou shalt do this thing, and god command thee so then thou shalt be able to endure so you're going to last all this people shall go to their place in peace there's going to get more work's going to get done You, you can't have two million people and get a lot done when one person it all funnels to one person same thing in a church of 200 people we can't get a lot accomplished if everything has to funnel to one person who is not tech savvy at all my dad all right if it all has to funnel to him it's, we're going to have some trouble, but he de- he's got to delegate, and he as he has, and that's how a church functions. And I could make a parallel, but I don't want to make take more time than I've told you. But in Acts chapter six, look at that sometime. That's when the church was taken off, and and, and after Pentecost, it's growing. It went to like five thousand people really quick. And in Acts chapter number six, the the disciples were trying to do everything, and they're like. Man, we're neglecting some of these widows. You remember that in chapter six? And people started murmuring, just like here. Murmuring starts happening when there's a lack of delegation, usually. And they're murmuring, saying, Hey, our widows are being neglected, and they're saying, Well, and all of a sudden they said, We can't do all of this and still pray and still prepare. And so what they had to do was choose out six men, what we call the first deacons. They choose out the men, and they begin to delegate some of the work. So even in the early church, just like the early Israel had to delegate. The early church had to delegate as well, and we still do that to this day. So to wrap up our reading here, he says, So Moses hearkened to the voice of his father-in-law. There's a great, that's the humility. He listened and did all that he had said. He didn't rebuke it. He just listened, and he did it. And Moses chose able men out of Israel and made them heads over the people, rulers over thousands, and rulers over hundreds, rulers over fifties, rulers over tens, and they judged the people at all seasons, the hard causes they brought into Moses, but every small matter they judged themselves. And Moses let his father-in-law depart, and he went his way in his own land. He was there for a short time, but the time that he was there may have saved Moses a lot. And Moses was wise and that he humbly listened. So I guess what, what are we getting at today? My main takeaway for you today, and for me today, me today, but you as well, just be humble. Be humble and be willing to take some correction when it's needed because it may be God sending that person your way. And if in your spirit you say, I just don't feel like that's for me, then let it roll off. Let it roll off. We don't have to fight every battle. Be humble. And realize that most of the time, not always, most of the time someone's just trying to help. And let's have that humble spirit. Let's pray.